My goodness. Oh, if it is not the middle of the motherfucking night. <laughs> Have some tea with me. I'm having carrot cake. It is, I promise you, every pound for pound. It's delectable as a sound. You ready? It's still in my kettle. We're doing this together. I have to record directly into my laptop, the ghetto, because I cannot find my phone anywhere, and it is the middle of the night, and I cannot go to bed with this living in my head. It has to get, it has to get out in my voice, and then I can sleep. So welcome to this episode of The Garden Space, a newsletter and podcast that explores the planting and blooming of human connection. Lately, I have been thinking a lot about excellence and my relationship to excellence, my relationship to work. I worked myself ragged. I worked myself down past the bone, down to the marrow in middle school and high school, trying to get to college, in college, trying to get to grad school or med school. Once I got to grad school, I said, what the fuck am I doing? I said, I don't even know how to keep running why was I running in the first place what was all this for I can't even remember I'm exhausted I am still exhausted I am making this because I wrote an essay yesterday and today it was supposed to be out in the afternoon today but I have a bajillion things that I am doing and every single one of them is good and every single one of them is worth my time, which means that if it is slow going at the forefront so that I can get all of these things, the foundation that they deserve, then so be it. So I was working on my videos about the railroad strike. I mentioned that here in this place to ground us in the space and time we are in. It is a Tuesday in September of 2022. It's one of the last Tuesdays of September in 2022. I'm in New Orleans. I'm very much a tumbleweed, a bit of a rolling stone at the moment. It is worth it to me to name all of this because the exploration of human connection that I am experiencing is not happening in a vacuum. We are in textbook times. We've been in textbook times. But I know that my work ethic was really punched in the face. by some of the difficult things that we collectively went through in the past two years. And I am just now, just now, returning to a space after the protests of 2020, the personal crises of of 2019 and 2020 for me. I am just now returning to a space where I like work again. So I wrote this essay and it's a little out there and I'm gonna need you to bear with me, but I think it's going to be very worth exploring. I think by the end, we'll see what I mean. It is an essay entitled, I kinda wanna fuck excellence. (laughs) I understand that I am submitting my first, okay, so hear me out essay. (laughs) Yes. I know the title sounds clickbaity. I know that the majority of you all clicked on this and went truly what on God's green earth could this episode consist of. I know. 
I also recognize in talking openly about sex or sexual desire, even sexual desire for my own self, I ruffle some feathers. And it's always going to be uncomfortable, at least in the onset. I can promise you that I am not pimping out your knee-jerk reactions just for engagement. It's not clickbait. I want to make clear the reasons that I share the following ideas with you all. So I have two big things that I want to cover before I really get into the meat and potatoes of it. One, love of any kind is not theoretical. In this online space, we are set out to explore a whole lot of love theory. Many peoples across many millennia have been thinking of talking about tasting, touching, theorizing on love in its many forms, and I am no different. I am, like you, a philosopher, trying desperately to ascertain the hows and the whys of the way my insides turn themselves inside out in the name of loving. Alexander Pope in 1711 very famously said, to err is human, to forgive divine. I would like to figure out where love measures on that scale. What measure of love is human and how much of it is divine? Theory is designed to be a guiding light, like a North Star wrapped in words of sorts. Even if we might momentarily float above ourselves to look at our positions in the world with the bird's eye view, theory is not supposed to leave your body behind forever. Sometimes I feel like we can get so turned around in what is or what it's supposed to be or what it should be, what is theoretical, that we forget that the business of loving is literal. It is human. It is in our day to day. Love lives in our bodies and our actions and our peoples. As much as we theorize, there is nothing theoretical about love. Two, love of many kinds is explicit. I again blame the West for this. Honestly, everything is the West's fault, but I digress. The West is clinical and puritanical and cut and dry in the images we have of love. And there are many different kinds of love, which I don't feel like people might debate me on that one. But I want to explore many of those kinds of love, of course, in later episodes. I've been wanting this podcast for a while, but I settled on the garden space because of a TikTok that I made that went viral on the different bars of love that I have that determine where people sit in my life. Um, those bars for me are platonic, romantic, and sexual. And folks love it. Folks love a graph. We love a cute and succinct 60-second idea. We love the feeling of learning and of understanding. We love the allure of productivity, even in our emotions. And I am not knocking that. I'm not, I'm not knocking that. I love all of that too. That's why I made the graph. And if that's the video that brought you here, or actually if any of my videos brought you here, then I love that too. Welcome. Grab your tea. <laughs> However, I'm going to grab my tea. I, I mean, doing this whole song and dance about pouring myself a mug and then I start reading and don't take a sip. Hold on. Mm. Oh my gosh. Oh, that's good. Okay. However, <laughs> bar graphs are clinical. Me talking about my intense desire to be bent over by the concept of excellence, that, that is visceral. And most times, at least for me, the feeling of love is visceral. This is something I feel. Sometimes those feelings are sexual, even when there isn't a literal object or person to covet. 
I'm not attempting to make you squirm, I promise. I am trying to embody the feelings of love I have and be honest in doing so and honest to goodness. When I think about excellence now, these days I physically get goosebumps. I would like to explore that phenomenon with you as I learn in real time. Sex love in the Western world gets a bad rap. We treat it like it doesn't exist. Sure, there's romantic love, which we obsess over, and there's platonic love, which is very easy for us to grasp. Uh, there's communal love or empathy or love for humanity. And I find it wild that it is easier for us to understand the love for people that we don't know rather than love we can feel internally or externally in sex. I almost feel like we as a culture treat sex like there is no love to be found there if it isn't coupled with something else, if it isn't sex plus intimacy or sex plus compassion or sex plus romance. I think sex can be love in and of itself. That is an entirely different podcast episode and we will get there. But today or tonight, it is the middle of the night. I would like to focus on the feelings that I have before I discuss the theory, since this is literal. And for me, the business of loving, this business of loving, is visceral. So yeah, I kind of want to fuck excellence. <laughs> I ask you again, hear me out. Hear me the fuck out. I feel like by the end of the things, you will understand where I am coming from with all this. So, I have two rather obvious follow-up questions. Who or what is excellence? And further, how exactly does one have sexual intent towards a metaphysical idea? Whew. Let's begin. I have been chewing on this topic like toughened double bubble. And I have had a contentious, strained relationship with excellence my whole life. By dictionary definitions, or maybe by common understandings, excellence is the state, the quality, of the, or the condition of excelling. It is a state of superiority. Herein lies my first big gripe. Superior to what? Excelling over what bar? By whose metric? It is hard not to taste capitalism forming the word in my mouth. Even in the beginning, baked into the definition is the reality of comparison, and comparison grates on my spirit, my word. I will be honest with you, at the risk of sounding conceited, I do not have many peers. I did not having many peers growing up and I do not have many peers now. K through 12 education was spent around white kids that only ever performed as well as I did, which was always pretty deeply unimpressive to me, if I am honest, since half, I had half the resources that they had and I knew that. I was regularly the standard of my craft, which has always, always been writing. My pen moves and the world does with it. Writing feels like breathing. I have always been excellent in that regard. So then comparison was always isolatory at best. It's lonely at the top or whatever, yeah. But also kids are vicious, especially white kids that feel like they deserve a name more than you. At worst, the constant game of comparison, which happened to me regardless of whether I actively participated or not, was punishing, inc incredibly punishing. 
I always think of excellence in terms of the high jump, which is an apparatus that I was quite good at in the brief season of life that I ran track. I happily competed in the high jump until I learned that the metal bar could paralyze you. And eventually when you get to a certain skill or a certain age, you stop practicing with the plastic bar, they bring out the metal bar. I cannot imagine a better visualization for the way excellence shows up in my life. It really is a poet's wet dream. <laughs> I set my own standards of excellence, meaning I erect my own good enough bar and I fracture myself trying to clear it. The shame of landing on the bar is intense too. It's loud, it reverberates, everyone can see you. You run for it, you leap for it, you turn yourself in the air and you feel the small of your back connect with your own disqualification. And then you spend the whole fall wondering if you'll land and lose the ability to walk. Excellence always felt to me like a losing game. Either I pass with flying colors and I have no friends and see the bar raised immediately with no time after to celebrate my victory or I fail to clear the bar. I meet my own standards, standards with metal to bone and I crack. It's brutal. It is brutal and it is unsustainable. By the time I got to college, I really married myself to the idea of just good enough. Do as much as necessary to get what you want. You don't have to be excellent, capital E, excellent. You only have to be enough, capital E, enough. Enough for me, for all its intents, was a wonderful idea. It was a wonderful idea. Enough meant well, and it did well, sincerely. For the period of time where I was navigating imposter syndrome, where I was dealing with the discomfort of class mobility, or I was simply questioning my own worth, enough was a very valuable lesson. Enough was a relief. It was healing. Where excellence had to be earned, enough was freely given. The task of being grand, of being great, was completely unattainable for where I was. I was 17, at college, floating, far from home, untethered, still very much fractured, still learning to walk again where before I could sprint. It was a lot gentler and a lot sweeter. Enough feels round and soft in my mouth. It is an easier thing to hold on to. It's like swallowing something filling and, and sweet, like fresh bread. How to be enough was a very simple study of self and it is entirely in a different feeling than pursuing excellence. Enough was the place that I learned to be friends with myself again. I liked being friends with myself. I wasn't my own coach. I wasn't yelling at myself to run faster or to flip better or to work on my technique. I was just a teammate cheering myself on and that was nice. It really was. The study of enough is really deserving of an essay on its own. That narrative arc was so clear and so beautiful. I began to like my own company again. I could create without fear of critique again. It was, it was stunning.
It was a beautiful place to be. I already said that, but it was. I really thought I had solved all my problems. <laughs> and then, oh my goodness. And then I got bored. I began to look around. I still had very, very few peers, honestly. Nothing was interesting enough to hold my attention. So I looked up, instead of looking around, I looked up like I used to do, like I hadn't done in years. Excellence was still swinging above my head, just out of reach, taunting me, infuriating. Still, as always, a losing fucking game. It sincerely felt like a cruel joke from the universe. I did not have the focus, I didn't have the skill, or the brass, or the brain chemical balance, or the work ethic, or the something. I don't know what it was missing, but it was something. I was missing something. The pursuit of excellence always felt punishing and inauthentic, and I was certain it was not supposed to feel that way. I settled under my skin more. I waded through more of the journey. I ate my enough bread to keep me going. I arrived very bitterly at the end of that predetermined storyline, and instead of investigating my next stop, I still held fast to the lower, easier morsels of enough, even when it began to be boring, even when the bread started to sour and mold. Enter effective mediocrity, a slow decay of my tempering self. I began to rot. In the literal world, it was my work. My work was rotting. I was writing, but never really in public. Not in competitions, not for publications, not for anything that would actually propel my life forward. It was enough to just work on my craft for a while, and, and that was what I needed for a while. I went into a quiet, dark place where no one could judge me and let myself loose and let go of my body, and it was, and it is, lovely. The secret places that I keep for myself and my creation are still gorgeous. But my pen is powerful. My words are weighted. I had such incredible opportunities given to me and I let them slip and crack on the ground because I could not let myself into the light that would have meant running again, running and leaping under the bright blue sun and sky, jumping for the bar of excellence, the same one that I had not cleared in years. I have not written publicly in years. All this time, years of my life, despite my parents, my teachers, my professors, my peers, my comment section begging me to, because I understood that there was a before and an after, I exposed my mind like this. It is vulnerable. It's deeply vulnerable. It feels exactly like being naked in a room where everyone else is clothed and gawking at you. Ask me how I know. But the terror doesn't make me want myself any less. Do you want to know a secret? Do you want to know a secret? I love high jump. I love it. I miss high jump. When you are good, when you're great, excellent, 
it feels like you're flying do you know what it is like to fly even for a moment it is a life-defining experience there is a before and an after you find something and you do something that makes you fly and i want to i want to fly but the falling and the failing it costs me a lot and it isn't just failure it is public failure which is daunting i suppose (laughs) okay i think i only say that because it's the right answer i'm gonna be really for real I think if I am really honest, being watched in public does raise my heart rate, but not necessarily in a bad way. I don't know that I'm actually afraid of my own failure. I'm not actually convinced of my own failure, at least by other people's metrics. If anything, as I witness other people seeing me and wanting me all open and raw, wanting me with unconcealed desire, wanting me with unwrapped jealousy as they realize they do not compare. The business of coveting just soaked in money and opportunity and sweet things. I am slick with want from myself. I only want myself way up there flying even more. The eyes make me want myself more. Impressing other people has never actually been the problem for me. I can actually usually accomplish that with just my enough. So many people are impressed by some damn bread (laughs) for myself. I am not. This is excellence to impress myself. Me having enough conditioning, enough nourishment, enough skill, enough stamina, speed, strength to clear the bar I have set for myself. And it is a hard feat. I don't often do it. I have not done so in years. Not because I was suddenly worse. Because as I learned and I grew, I understand more and more about what is possible with my art. And because I was previously in life circumstances that made me too tired to run and train like I, like I should, like I wanted to. That did not actually stop me from wanting. I want to impress myself. It was disappointing to not be able to impress myself. That is excellence. That is excellence. I am my own peer. I am my own standard. I could only look up at this bar. I have made to clear this is the way I want explicit sticky rippling intimacy with excellence soaring through the air like that is an out of body experience it is something I have tasted but not yet embodied despite the want and I want it despite the years of deep and endless desire that I have coiled in my gut and let cement into ashy resentment. Resentment then covered in stomach bile, acidified into hatred. I hated my good enough bar because I could never clear it. What an easy, boring narrative. 
I know what I'm about to say sounds very workaholic, hustle harder, get it girl culture of me, but I, I don't actually think that my bar was the issue. First of all, I had no business trying for excellence when I was not even convinced that I was enough. Of course I hurt myself. Excellence is a space for work. If you are too tired to do the work, you will be too tired to clear the bar. For the last season of my life, for, for much of the last season of my life, I needed to be in the healing space of learning how to be satisfied with myself. I wanted to be self-satisfactory. I do not turn to the high jump apparatus to find self-satisfaction. I run for it to impress myself. For that, I need to be well enough to do the work. Secondly, my hitting the bar does not mean that I need to lower the standards that I have set for myself. If my back meets the bar, that does not mean that my standards are too high. It means that I need to train harder. I am, among many people, an expert in myself. I am certain of my own capacities. I can trust myself to give myself the flowers I deserve when I earn them. And it is not actually a bad thing for me to earn them. Yes, I have a high bar. Why wouldn't I? I am thoroughly convinced of my own genius. Yes, I am hard to impress. Of course I am. I'm that bitch. Who do I look like being easily impressed? I know the difference between good and great work as it passes through my hands, including my own, especially my own work. And I know the difference between great work and excellent work. When I think about who I want to be, let me get some tea. Because this is it. When I think about who I want to be, when I envision myself taking up space, taking up the space I know I am designed to take up, when I see myself, when I see my body, the slight of my hand, the curve of my neck, positioned to receive all the good things I am stewing, I am beside myself with lust. I, in this life, in this real life, metaphors aside, am never more turned on than looking at my own naked body. My own naked body. So it makes sense that I am also overcome with desire, envisioning my future self's successes. I have deep attraction to myself. And it is actually one of my favorite things about me. Seeing the harvests of Isma to tomorrow makes me openly horny. And that is what it is. I have all this sexual tension with the literal concept of excellence. And I simply don't know how else to explain it. Because what else is it? I see myself in the future darker and riper and sweeter and overgrown berry bending the whole plant just begging to be in somebody's mouth what else is that but sex when i look to the self i wish to become the body i want to live in the work that passes through my hands with ease i pant i feel goosebumps i harden i open i still 
My tongue runs across the ridges of my teeth. I flex my toes. I close my eyes before I even realize that I am doing it. I see me. I'm light years away. I'm 10 years away. I'm two moments away, a breath away, tomorrow, today. I see myself in all these moments sailing, sailing over my good enough bar again and again with ease i'm flying i roll in the sky limbs outstretched palms relaxed i hook myself on the bar and spin my breasts are free and falling off me i know exactly what this feels like what this tastes like i see myself on the other side of the stage now in the audience watching me dance, seeing me glide, bearing witness to flight. I look ravishing, body dark and ripe, body free. What else is that but sex? It's unmistakably sex, the way I float. I am in a space in my life where excellence no longer feels punishing, perfection does. And I honestly conflated the two for a long time. Perfection is punishing by design because of its true impossibility. Excellence understands that my only metric of comparison is me. I am my own standard. And so excellence is by definition, by my own design, attainable, even if it is difficult even if it takes years, even if it is bar to back, bar to back, over and over again, it is attainable. I know that it is. She tastes sweet and tart and bright. He makes my lips plucker, my plump lips. I can see myself up there flying and embodying excellence and he is ethereal dripping, slick. What else is that? I can see myself. I can see the self I am going to bring down to earth and I am overcome with open, naked desire, the same sizzling energy of a live wire. My fingerprints are electric. I am collected and eclectic twirling against a bright blue sun and sky over a track field soaring just soaring i'm not coming down anytime soon i'm sailing over the bar into the blue sun when i clear my bar like this i am excellence personified every breath is warm and beating what else is that but sex the way I love him, the way I love my future self, the way I love him, <laughs> the way he glides, he hang glides over me, above me, like a heavy rain breeze. How else can I name that want but call it lust? Yes, I want me. Yes, I want it like that. I want to sail until I am smooth. <sighs> I want to ripen until I fall. I want to soak in the sun and gain sticky lip, lip smacking weight. 
until I bend the whole plant to show my deep and gleaming, gleaming body. I look at myself and drool. I want a taste. What is that skill like? What does it feel like to have that much precision, that level of faith in myself and my performance? I am going to taste that or I will die trying. I did not know that I could find work risking the paralysis, but if I am honest, I feel just as paralyzed on the ground, afraid of flying. I do. It is nourishing, the work. I have spent enough time on enough bread. But man cannot live on bread alone. Enough is like manna. It is nourishing. It falls from the sky, an open gift from the divine that I do nothing to earn but ask, and I am fed. But man cannot live on bread alone. It is sufficient, and I will keep going. But that was the desert. That was in a season of wandering and of questioning, of healing. I, and right now, I'm in the bloom. I am in the spring of my life. The harvest, it's on its way. And I want, I want the body made of milk and honey. I am salivating for it. What else is that but sex? When sex loving makes me fly. When sex work makes me fly. When pole work has made me fly. I have seen myself up there flying. What else? What else can I call that? I want to fuck excellence. Yeah, yes, I do. <laughs> and so, of course, I was mad as all sin down here, wanting and wanting and wanting something that hung just above my head, perpetually out of reach. I felt hot with embarrassment for even looking excellence's way. By no means did I feel good enough for that much richness when even leavened bread was too much in my belly. And that's real, right? How often do we see resentment take the place of sexual envy? How long did I hate what was sexually liberated because I still had all this binding on me? Of course I hated excellence. Of course I labeled her the enemy. It was the only way I could live with myself for wanting something I knew that I deserved, but still did not feel like I could have. Of course I hated her. I couldn't even bring myself to try in pursuit. But now, but now, here, in the spring of my life, I am blooming. I am fed. I am rested. I know how it feels to fly like that, to ripen like that, to hang out nude in the middle of the sky as the sun sets and not in a hurry, sweet as the day is long, slick with sex. I have tasted what it is like to be skilled enough to trust that whatever my body and my mind combine to do with themselves, it will be beautiful. I know how it feels to get out of my own way. I know how my body feels at the end of a day when it sits down and feels through all the emotions, the sweltering pleasure 
of a job well done. Yes, I want to fuck excellence and no, I make no apologies and I don't think you would too if you saw me up there. I think if you saw me up there, you would want me to. When there is this much pleasure, just thinking about it, imagine the head to toe shivers I will feel when I land full and safe, having cleared the bar and I get to get up and raise it. God damn. I hope you could hear that. <laughs> this is the Garden Space, a newsletter and podcast. That was some motherfucking bars. You should absolutely pay me for this shit. You absolutely should. Especially if you're white. Pay up. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>